0: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, Scott Luton, and the one and only Kevin L. Jackson here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's show. Kevin, how are you doing today?
1: It's been a great week. I mean, I, uh, I'm i excited about a lot of things, but today's show, I've been waiting for it. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I tell you, Lexmark is uh, one of my favorite companies.
0: Man, that's high praise coming from Kevin L. Jackson. <laughs> Well, Kevin, I I am too. We've been looking forward to this. Excellent show lined up. One of our favorite repeat guests is Mm -hmm. back. She's an award-winning mover and shaker doing big things out in global industry. And today we're going to be talking about the critical intersection, I'll call it, of manufacturing, supply chain, and technology. So it should be a great show, huh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. These are three key aspects of every business.
0: Today's episode, we should we should make sure to mention, it's presented in partnership with our friends at Microsoft, who's doing some pretty cool things in industry, helping to move us all forward, for sure. We'll touch on that maybe towards the end of today's mm-hmm. conversation. So Kevin, are we ready to introduce one of my favorite guests? Yeah, I'm holding on. Let's holding do Holding on. Edge of the seat. Okay. All right. So as <laughs> I mentioned, our featured guest today is an award-winning business leader. Our guest brings more than 30 years of experience in the high-tech industry, and then some Uh, In her current role, she's responsible for product delivery strategy, which includes areas such as supply chain, manufacturing, hardware, and supplies development, and a lot more. So back by popular demand, please join me in welcoming Tanya Jackson, Senior Vice President and Chief Product Delivery Officer with Lexmark. Tanya, how are you doing?
2: I am doing great. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you, Kevin.
0: Yes, I'm excited. We are too. Now I've told Kevin, I've got Tanya Jackson under ruse. I've really, we've really enjoyed uh, (laughs) our conversations and, you know, apart from all the lip service, Tanya, I mean, you're doing it. You've been recognized by a variety of folks for your leadership and, and, and and a lot of the innovations that you are doing at Lexmark. So we're going to dive right into all of that today, but Tanya and Kevin, before we get Mm. into all that good stuff, I'm looking out my window Yeah. and it's raining a little bit today, a little spring rain, but Tanya and Kevin, it has like been 72 degrees, sun's out. I've got some bluebird babies. I mean, it's just been a gorgeous <laughs> time of year. Farmers markets about to open up, right? In the next couple of weeks. So I want to start with a little fun warm-up question, Tanya. Um, I know you and you're originally from North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. You live in I Kentucky am. now. I do. So we've shared some of those stories yes. and kindred spirits there. What's right. one thing, Tanya, that you look forward to this time of year, every year?
2: Okay, Scott. So thanks for that because the this is Spring in Kentucky and I'll give a shout out and a nod to Keeneland, which is the spring meet that we is the, the race the horse race uh, track that we yeah. have here in Lexington. So last weekend I was actually at Keeneland and with some family and friends and it was just a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun to go out on a on a weekend and and see the see the horses, see family, see friends and just have a really good time. So Keeneland and <laughs> uh, Spring in Kentucky is uh, that April meet and, Love it, and and in Lexington in particular,
0: Keeneland. I bet there's some good food there too. Some great wow. food, yeah, amazing man. food. No, so, Ke- Kevin, that's no, me to the tough to top. Tanya's setting no, the bar.
1: No, sorry, I'm going to have Uh-oh. to. I'm going to have to throw a flag here. I'm gonna okay, have to throw a flag. <laughs> okay, it's Louisville. Uh-huh. I tell you, it's Louisville, Kentucky, where spring is hot. Okay. I, I see. I kept this as a surprise. Um, yes. I lived in Louisville when I, when I was young, I went to Thomas Jefferson high school when I was, a uh, uh, in the marching band, I played oh. at Churchill Downs. Oh, I saw, okay, all right. Saw... That's,
2: that's one upping me. Okay, then.
1: Okay, all right. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna be I like saw... we're gonna be like that. Is this is show's gonna be. <laughs> I uh, I, I played. We played when Secretariat ran. Okay. That was wow. the, one of the highlights of my life. So awesome. I'm, I'm that gonna have fantastic. to say, the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> as, wow. as i look, look forward to in the spring. But now that I live in Virginia, uh, I'm looking for the first trip down to Virginia Beach, uh, oh. where you know the water's not when it's not too cold, right?
0: <laughs> wow! All right, so Tanya, I've yep. knocked out uh, a couple hundred interviews and shows with Kevin L. Jackson. Learn something new. He plays. He played in a band. So Kevin, but, what, yeah, I, what, what instrument though? That's yes, what he didn't but, say.
2: I, I noticed that he didn't say. I said a lot about Louisville and, and uh, I Dallas, played.
1: But... No, no, no. I'm I played the flute actually. Okay. Okay. And I actually uh, went on and, and played jazz flute and R and B when I was in uh, college, and and sax, okay. uh, and a little bit of keyboard. So hey, All come right. on, come okay. on, come on. I'm ready. I played. I played the flute. <laughs> But you paid the
2: flute too. I, I, so Scott, we're approaching cousin status here. Yeah. But, but but my career ended at high school. I didn't, I didn't take it to college. I did all right. I did all right, but I wasn't that good. I saw
0: Tanya and Kevin. Uh, we always talked about kind of getting the band back together. Supply chain jam band coming to a town near your road show. Uh, as much as I enjoyed that, we got to get to work, folks. we got a lot of stuff to get to. I can't wait to get an update on all the cool things Tanya and her team have been up to. Kevin, where are we starting here yeah. as we get to work with Tanya?
1: Well, actually, you know, aside from playing the flute, <laughs> I've really enjoyed Tanya's interviews in the past here on Supply Chain Now. Uh, as a refresher for our listeners, could you please briefly tell us a little bit about Lexmark and your role as Chief Product Delivery Officer, Tanya?
2: Yeah, sure. So we'll, let me start with Lexmark first. I, I, uh-huh. I introduced it a little bit that we are. I our, head, our headquarters are here in Lexington, Kentucky. We are a global uh, organization, and we basically work uh, to provide our customers with imaging devices as well as IoT technologies. And our a long history has been one of uh, uh, kind of look, looking at an industry-specific approach to printers and imaging. So we we set up you know kind of verticals in whether it's banking, uh, government, healthcare, education, so we can develop solutions that are very specific to solving a customer's problems. So that's our, our kind of our core business. And as I said, we've always done managed print service, not always, but we've done managed print services a long time. And we, uh, you would maybe appreciate it. We'd like to say uh, MPS M- 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 or managed print services. That was the mm-hmm. kind of original IOT before IOT was a, was a thing, uh, right? Like, you know, <laughs> right, we, right. we were phoning home to tell printer tell to, so we would know when to, Send supplies, send service parts, send those kinds of things so that the customer wouldn't have to deal with any of that. So we, we were always in that business of of putting sensors in, in devices and, and monitoring that portals and those kinds of things. So we've taken that technology that we've always used in printers and now are, are developing another business to connect other other things that a customer may have, whether it's office equipment, okay. whether it's hospital, you know, equipment, things that need to be on some kind of service rotation, so that we can deploy our same um, technology instead of with printers with other other equipment. So that's an emerging part of the business. Where I, um, my my team, we are solidly and solidly in what we call the imaging business and the product mm-hmm. delivery group that we have is a, it's a, it, it is a combined organization that has research and development. Supply chain and service delivery, all in. So and sustainability. So it's kind of end to end from from the product de- design development, making sure that we are developing something that we can source and manufacture mm-hmm. for a very long time because our supplies last a very long time in terms of you know people continuing to replenish their their devices, and we have again a strong sustainability group that is helping us, whether it's uh, recycled content. Uh, De- developing uh, refurbishment models and those types of things, so that we can, once the customer uh, has the device and is no longer it wants to upgrade or whatever, we can get that device back, re- refurbish, or remanufacture, get it back out into the field. So th- the cool thing is that the organization is feeding each other. So you know the service team is saying these are the these are the, this, these are the components. Or the modules that maybe development needs to focus more on because I'm replacing these too much right and so what mm-hmm. what do we need to do there from a design perspective and and I've talked about it we're not going to talk about the supply chain crisis on this one I it's pretty it's still pretty traumatic but the yeah, sure. um but the fact that the design team works so closely now with the sourcing and the supply chain team is just going to be a better um We'll talk about resiliency a little bit, but we're going to have, we are building resiliency because we are designing something with the manufacturing uh, uh, aspect of it in mind now.
0: There's so much there, man. It's like a a series within a series. Just a couple of things before we move on, Kevin, not only was, sounds like Lexmark was IOT before IOT was cool, but also customer experience. They were doing a lot of that stuff before that became such a big thing here. Right. And the other thing, Kevin, before I get your comment, maybe is, I loved the focus, one of the focuses that, that Tana shared on remanufacturing and refurbishment. There's so much we can be doing there that will help in some of our other efforts that we're charged with as leaders. So Ke- Kevin, your quick thoughts before I move forward.
1: The thing that really jumped out at me was the end-to-end approach, right? That ha- organizationally, they have uh, positioned themselves to really provide the service to the end customer that they need. That's important. That's critical mm. in any any business. And I, I like I like the approach. Uh, you know, it's many companies fail to organizationally address that service that, that's right to the end customer.
0: That's right. I, I but that helps with some of the silo busting that's got to go on to get stuff done and, and get it done at a certain level. So good call out there, Kevin. Tanya, so much more to get into here today. I want to ask you about uh when it comes in particular to manufacturing operations. Mm. Within global supply chain, what's two or three topics or trends that are priorities, uh, or, or or maybe how on your radar? I'll call it to you and the Lexmark leadership team right now.
2: Yeah, so a couple things here, Scott. It's some of it I'm going to go back a little bit up the chain, and then it ends up with manufacturing. One of the things hmm. that all of us have learned and the focus is on simplification. So it's not, and it's not just simplification in manufacturing. It's what manufacturing is receiving. Whether that's simplifying the portfolio, uh, common parts, all those kind back to again to the design phase, so that the manufacturing process can really be more efficient instead of a, you know, a bunch of crossover changeovers and all of those kinds of things that 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 ha- that typically have to happen. What can we do to minimize in through the design, through the portfolio management, working back with marketing, sales, and the, and still, but still, you still want a disruptive. And a differentiated offering, you can still do all of those things. You can't have it all, you know, one way, but what are the key things, key functions, key features, and how can we design that so that we can make sure from a manufacturing perspective, we have the response that we need at the cost that we need and all those kinds of things. So it's not pers- it's not man- it's what's happening on the manufacturing floor, but it's the things that we need to do upstream to give manufacturing a fighting chance to do what they do well, and, and instead of having to make a, a lot of adjustments. And the other thing is more, perhaps more broad as well. And that's just the manufacturing footprint and where do you, the whole di- diversification? And we're looking at, like everyone else, uh, what do you want your manufacturing footprint to look like? Where do you want it to be located? What, how many partners do you want? How, you want really yeah. long term partners now, because those are some of the lessons again from the crisis. Some of the Some of the best results were people that you've been working with a long time and that just kind of helped you you just work together to get through it. So trying to make sure that we have the right partners and that we are working with those partners to grow their capabilities. And then also looking at really from a global perspective, where do we want to manufacture what and how do we want to set up uh, what we call regional manufacturing in some places you want to base uh, in one country maybe, but you have customers over a large customer base in another region, and do you want a regional, you know, kind of hub there? And then I talked a little bit about sustainability. And I think as we get into, and you've probably done some, some, um, some some uh, some podcasts on the whole the greenhouse gas um, reporting scope mm-hmm. three and most people can do scope one and two, right. uh, but when you get into scope three with that value chain that long where you have lots of manufacturing, so trying to yeah. s- just start to understand what we're measuring, get a good baseline on the value chain on our own operations. I think we're in good shape, but uh, everything else is is working with the partners to make sure that we're understanding uh, what their challenges are, what their goals are. And then we talked a little bit about supply chain transparency and the auditing our suppliers because we're ultimately responsible. So what's going on from a social perspective there? So those are some of the things that we're working on, as well as and we'll talk a little bit about it. How to be more efficient from in terms of uh, what we're doing to um, to digitize some of, some of the operations and of course automation. We're with automation. We're I think we're getting smarter about. What to automate because you can yeah. over automate and then you're, oh, sure. you're just, you know, you, you got a lot of equipment that you can't do anything with. So what part of the processes should we automate and making sure even then that we're designing for automation because you don't want to design something that you're building and then go automate it. it it's You can do it, but it's just not, not as efficient. So mm. that's a little bit on the digital side. I know we're we'll talking a little bit about that, but for us, it's about simplification and then diversification and then a large piece of of sustainability. And one thing I didn't say, and I I think it's understood, you know, sustainability, remanufacturing, recycling, reusing, all of that, while people, it is definitely good for the environment. It is the right thing to do. It is a cost savings. When you can reuse something, you don't need to do a bunch of business cases for it. It's, it's, It's common sense. And I think sometimes people get tied up with well, is there a business case for that? And that if you if you can't save money by reusing something, you 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 just you're doing it There's wrong. There's a problem. So, so <laughs> you don't need to spend a bunch of time trying to you know figure you know argue internally about yeah. you know, the benefit. It is going to save you money, and the more you do that, and the more the whole team gets jazzed and excited about it. It just it gets the everybody's um, creative juices start to flow back from the design again. What can we you know that you're going to design a part? How many times can I reuse this? And in manufacturing, they're sitting there trying to figure out all of the things that they can do uh, to reuse things. So sustainability is is it's real. It is obviously important from a social perspective, but it is it is good business from uh, from cost savings. And customers are asking more and more for it for sure. But don't think that it's a well, it's going to cost me something to recycle. Right, right.
1: It seems like uh, you're dealing with trying to find that balance between onshoring, offshoring, and and nearshoring. Many companies are trying to deal with that because it affects all of those other aspects that uh, running a business that you mentioned, including sustainability. One one question I had, however, is data. How does data help you? and understanding the the um, decision space right between onshoring offshoring and, and near shoring how do you make that decision do you have any comments on that
2: yeah so data is a, a few different forms and we can hopefully talk about if uh, I'll try to answer it and if I'm, I'm missing the, the data question come back come back to me that so what mm-hmm. we would look at is a um, what we call a a, a landed cost right and to 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 look at the data we we would start the the data crunching starts with um, the comp the complexity of the supply chain and where the components come not just where with the tier one where where you're assembling right but Mm -hmm. where all of these components coming from and we've built a tool we've talked about it before period is uh heavily using power bi to understand uh where our our center of gravity is from from uh from first of all our, our customer set but also uh the the all of the data that's going back and forth with the suppliers because the supply chain is pretty complicated tier 1 down to tier you know x and right. so how do we where are all of those you know components coming from and then also uh what's the geopolitical state that's going on with the various mm-hmm. countries that we, that we may be looking for what's the cost associated in in those countries and then looking working with we work closely with our finance team also to take all of our kind of operational data with all of the the financial data then with the uh, of course the sales team because that's where the customers are you know what matters and and then where should we if we look at all of those things what's the what are the options and it starts with options and you iterate from there and if you have the data roughly in one place you can just start to um you know pull levers and and start to 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 run some scenarios without digitally, right? Without right, having right. to do a bunch of pilots, right? Just you just start to to <laughs> model some things and and put some best case, worst cases in 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 whatever format that people people are looking for. Because some people are looking for, you know, customer impact, some people are looking for the bottom line cost. Some people are looking for how much inventory do you have to pile up, all of those things that we can we can get there if we've got a reasonable handle on data. And it's not perfect. It, it is not, right. but in general, we've we have worked really hard to take the data that we have, which is a, abundance of data in any in anybody's supply chain, but to figure out what is it telling us, and how can, what is the answer that is given us, and then how can we put that toward an outcome, right? Mm. So, it's a, um, a, a bit of an ongoing battle, and you know one of the things I want to put a plug in here is we've uh, I have a I have a peer, his name is Bashal, he heads up our technology group. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about data it's really interesting because we we have a group that does um, uh, data analysis right? right what what we what he's done is partnered with North Carolina State and they we are training um, data analysts in terms of that it's wow really hard to go hire a bunch of data analysts but you don't. the The cool thing is that we have supply chain people that are getting the certification. So it's so the because that way they're getting the training to handle this data, but they understand the business, right? Because sometimes you, you get a data analyst and they don't. They they the with the data, but the context yeah. is is just hard, all about right? The context. It's just yeah. all about the context. And what that does for us is it gives us this expert or several experts that know the business. They love what they're doing, but now instead of doing things the way we've always done them. They, they come at it from a digital and a data perspective, and they can help us take all of this stuff that's been sitting in files and, you know, whatever, and, yeah. you we know, don't and, 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 and actually, you know, make it something that's much more, you know, usable. And so I, it's, and it gives them career growth. And, and I'm sure we're going to talk about one of the big things, obviously, is making sure that you don't do any of this that I'm talking about without really great people. Right. And. People want to continue to grow and learn and be uh, challenged. And so we have people that grew up in supply chain that are now, you know, getting their, their data scientists and they come back, they take the training. It's pretty intense. They come back and they they apply that uh, in our organization, which is, which is really fantastic. I
1: right. always say that, you know, digital transformation is about the people and right? that's yeah. what you're showing.
0: He yeah. does. He says that. He says that. Hey, I'm, 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 uh, I'm going back upstream to those horse races. Y'all both are talking about. Cause I'm chomping at the bit. Uh, uh, you know, I'm,
2: not, I'm not sure I want to go back to the horse races. He, well. he, he totally destroyed
1: me with Churchill down. So. Well, <laughs> that was my first job. That was actually my first job. I was an usher at Churchill Downs.
0: Okay. Man, you never know. You never know what Kevin's going to bring to the table here. Tony, there's so much in what you shared there. And I just want to call a few things out for our listeners. Uh, what's old is new again and powerful simplicity. You know, I was talking with the chief supply chain officer of one of the country's largest nonprofit healthcare organizations. And we were talking about what got them through the crisis and the pandemic. And a, lot, a big theme of his answer was reducing variance, right? And hmm. eliminating waste. And those are, we've heard those thousands of times. We've done, we've acted on that millions of times, but uh, they are extremely powerful. You mentioned the ecosystem and how you're responsible. Lexmark is responsible for the, for what goes on in the ecosystem. It's not within the four walls. And I loved your statement there because that's more and more. I'm hoping more leaders across supply chain and really across global business really accept that responsibility because we'll be eliminating a lot of a lot of uh, bad actors and bad things and then mm-hmm. lastly on a lighter note uh you mentioned common sense and how everything doesn't have to have a business case well i would argue <laughs> that uh many things are short in supply here these days still common sense unfortunately is still one of them tanya and kevin <laughs> so we'll see if that changes but yeah. kevin and tanya i want to move this into kevin do you want to comment on any of those things before i move us forward
1: well, I think I really appreciate the holistic approach that Tana is, is outlining. I mean, it's not just about inside the four walls. Right. They actually uh, understand and appreciate the importance of their partners across the
0: ecosystem. Mm. And um, that's good. That's really that- good. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are not even talk, touched on that great NC State program, uh, creating opportunities for folks, learning opportunities and credentials and, and more. Um, okay. So for the sake of time, I got to move us forward, Tanya. We want to talk about, and, and maybe you touched on some of these in your early responses, but what else would you consider a couple of initiatives that Lexmark has rolled out in recent years to move your digital transformation yeah. forward?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll just, for the sake of time, I'll, I'll talk about one in a broad way. So we have an um, uh, offering. As I said, we've taken our learnings and our expertise in IoT in general, mm-hmm. and are use, we're using that in a, in a, we've developed a commercial offering. Uh, it's called Optra. That's our trade name, which goes back to our heritage. Our first laser printer was branded Optra. And so it's kind of kind of a cool, but it's called Optra wow. Edge. And so we're using the edge technology, and we're looking at it from a manufacturer in a manufacturing setting of when you have things sitting, what things can be anything. It could be uh, you know, you have things that come into your factory and they sit and then they get moved. It could be a line that's running and how fast attack time, those kinds of things. But and and so what we're doing is uh installing visual or, or cameras and to monitor some of these um stages when th- where things are being staged or inspections. And we have there's always inspections at anybody's in anybody's manufacturing uh um, operation, mm-hmm. And a lot of times they are, they're sometimes uh, with cameras, sometimes they're people or whatever, but we're getting smarter with using what we call Opter Edge, which is really our IoT device. And we're using the edge technology so that we can, we get the information quick and we can respond to it. And what mm-hmm. we're looking for are variances, things that are, are things that are, that are not moving. Why are they not moving is, and then you can do your regular manufacturing process in terms of lean and continuous improvement, but you have the data uh, it, to you know the data there to say okay this is I I see I, I've I've had these these uh, pallets sitting here for this long why haven't they moved and you can actually start to to act on that you have the data to go to go act on it so one so again this is a we do a. We work with our technology team to do some product development to say they have customers that are that are asking these questions. We have similar questions, not exactly the same, maybe the same process, same questions. They use our manufacturing facilities to 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 build the um the skills that are the AI skills that are needed to go in and then they can go back and and offer and explain to customers, hey, this is what we do within our own manufacturing facility. We get a benefit because we're improving our operations. And at the same time, they get Real data for when customers are saying, "Yeah, I see what you say you could do, but can you actually do it?" And we could go back in mm. and, and say, "This is what we're doing." So, so we're working closely with our internal team, and it's really about anything that is it needs inspection. Something needs to be moved. Things are not moving. You got bottlenecks and all those kinds of things. The only difference is it's digital now, and then we can look at the we can look at that data and act on it.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to come to you for your quick response in a second. Uh-huh. But I want to add uh, one of the phrases that Tanya shared there in her response was uh, getting information quickly. That reminded me of a a, a really well-known food uh, company, well-known for like iconic pickles. And one of their long-term uh, uh, CEOs and chairman of the boards, one of his mantras was, give me good news fast and bad news faster. You know and and you know, yeah. so we, we laugh because it's it's kind of a cliche, but it is really so important. And you know Tony's kind of was kind of sharing some of the reasons why. But Kevin, respond to some of the things they're doing to drive their digital transformation forward there at Lexmark.
1: Well, one of the things I, I heard was it's a trend across manufacturers, and that's uh, using cameras backed by artificial intelligence uh, to do uh, improve quality assurance. Inspections is a big area where this can be um, very helpful, and observing uh, the line, the manufacturing line, if you have these hiccups or, or delays, and it really improves the end product. So uh, two thumbs up on that one. <laughs> so uh, it, that's, 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 a, that's a great move, and you, you, you seem to be ahead of the curve in that area.
0: We're back to Cisco and Ebert in supply chain. Kevin, we were talking about this the other day. Tanya, you're getting two thumbs up from Kevin wow, L. Jackson for digital a, transformation.
2: Flashing the past there, okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: And, and uh, one of the things, I mean, I guess it probably helps in some other areas uh, in, in your business because you, you recently shared a perspective on supply chain resilience. So mm-hmm. uh, what, what are a couple of the key factors that you consider to be critical uh, for optimizing that resilience of of your or any organization.
2: Yeah, appreciate that. So we everybody in supply chain is talking about resiliency now, and mm. and uh, we've I think we've talked about it before. It doesn't mean, uh, and and maybe this is a me statement, but it doesn't mean that you're not there's not going to be a disruption, right? Because mm. things happen. But what we are trying to do is build as take as many take all of the lessons learned from what we've been through and the decisions that we made and the risk that we took and the speed, all of those things were so good because we, we, what, we had no choice. And so we want to instant what we call institutionalize all of those learnings, but we did it because I, we had to, but now we want to do it because, okay, we know how to do it. Everybody's comfortable making those decisions. And we're going to be smarter about some of our decisions that we made. And it's, it's good or- business. It's good business sense, and the organization that we have. I think there's a lot more collaboration about, what we are designing and how that how that can be we can design to withstand we can design to withstand some to avoid some of those disruptions, mm-hmm. meaning more common parts, meaning more du- dual sources out the gate, all of those kinds of things and how we, we're trying to do, you know, to avoid that disruption. And then there's the well, something happens. And then it's kind yeah. of okay, how do you kind of fight through it? We have a everybody in supply chain that has a better playbook. On how to do that, and and a lot of that, and I would be. I want to make sure I say that it includes when you're fighting through a, a, a disruption, is that you're taking care of the people, and that mm-hmm. the, the people have been uh, and continue to be amazing. And so making sure that, and from a leader perspective, we you know my job is to support and listen and all of those things because the people are going to come forward with great ideas, and it's going it's it's a matter of, of offering that support, and then what we are trying to really embrace is stuff's going to happen. How do we come out stronger? What's our recovery light? Like? Let's, let's right, talk about, right. okay, we're going to, this has been a blow. How fast can we get through it? And can we be stronger again? Going, what did we learn? And can we be stronger? So it's not about never having a disruption that just right. happens. It's not possible because yeah. uh, a lot of people initially were saying, you know, never wants to happen again. It's, stuff happens. Right. But it's just, what are you learning from it? how do you develop that muscle to just take the blow, figure out real quick this is the action plan. Make sure you're listening, have the right people working on things, and then come out even, you know, recover and come out stronger. I'd say that's that's kind of our philosophy of what we're of how we're approaching it.
1: Oh, I, I love that. Organizations don't need to be brittle; they have to be ductile, right? They have yeah. to be able to take the hit and and still operate. So that's that's a great great approach.
0: Stuff is gonna happen, and acknowledging that, as simple as it may sound. Acknowledging that, uh, it's a, it goes a long way towards becoming more anti-fragile, right? Maybe, um, yeah. and then, yeah. uh, the other thing you mentioned there, uh, Kevin, everybody's talking about AI, but few people are really doing truly practical, bottom line, uh, uh, impactful things with it, right? We're making lots of progress. And it reminded me the way she said that Kevin, remind yeah. me of the, the old phrase, I don't know who said it first, but everybody talks about the weather but no one does anything can, about it. Can't right? do anything about it. Right, <laughs> so, right. Right. So what an outstanding overview. I hate that uh, we're kind of coming around the, um, well, should I continue the horse themes coming around the, the, the final <laughs> turn? Running. I don't know. Yeah. The but final stretch. That works. Right. Coming <laughs> yeah. down the home stretch. So, <laughs> we have
2: to get you down to Kentucky. Uh,
0: yes. Tanya. So. We'll do this in person at the track next time. Okay. Yeah, How's that absolutely. sound? Absolutely, <laughs> Keeneland. That's right. Keeneland first. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, okay, that's uh, Kevin's fighting that, okay, <laughs>
1: okay, Kevin, okay, you so, still got Churchill down, sorry, right. Right. I can see hey, I can you got the, the you. twin spires coming. <laughs> so, you Kevin,
0: win. uh, yep. kidding aside, um, what a great conversation we had here with Tanya Jackson, and we're not quite done, we're gonna make sure folks know how to connect with her and the uh, all the cool things that her and the Lexmark team are doing. But before uh-huh. we do that, uh, Microsoft has helped uh, bring this conversation to our global audience. And as I mentioned on the front end, uh, the company is doing some really cool things in industry as well. What's one thing that Microsoft's doing that comes to mind, especially in like the manufacturing supply chain space, Kevin?
1: Well, you know, uh, Tanya talked a lot about data um, and how much data they are collecting throughout their entire process. And uh, they have to crunch the numbers, okay? They have to analyze that data so they can actually listen to the data, know what the data is is, uh, telling them. And in today's world, uh, cloud platforms is really how you crunch the numbers. The power of the cloud is being able to bring all of that computational resources when you need it and not paying for it when you don't. And that's one of the things that uh, Microsoft Azure is is really doing well in the manufacturing uh, community, because uh, historically, manufacturers have a lot of on-premise IT. They don't want to let go of that uh, IT. But more and more, since everything is being data-driven, they are transitioning to a hybrid environment. Yes, they have on-premise components like the um, Azure Stack but it's connected to the cloud so that they can reach out and, and get that power when they need to crunch those numbers. Mm. And, and I think that's really critical uh, across uh, manufacturing and, and supply chains.
0: Kind of the best of both worlds there. Uh, yeah. I love that uh, power on demand, huh? Okay, uh, and I gotta throw this last thing in, Tony. We're gonna, uh, I'd love to uh, make sure folks know how to connect with you, but hey, we are talking AI a second ago. And one of, one of the things that Greg White likes to say Uh, There's no guarantee that artificial intelligence is actual intelligence. And I I, I think that's, that's some, that's some uh, directional uh, knowledge we got to keep in mind. Okay. So Tanya, you're illustrating why you're backed by proper demand here at Supply Now, Really a breath of fresh air. I love how simple you keep because you're really talking about some really complex things, some some really tough challenges that that any organization is fighting through right now. But I love the altitude that you keep it at. So for folks that want to learn more, they want to connect with you. I know you do keynotes and stuff, and, and those are some fortunate audiences. All the cool things Lexmark is doing that you described, some of which here. How can folks learn more?
2: Uh, you can. I can be reached at uh, tanya.jackson at lexmark.com. If you want to learn more about, you know, Kevin did a great job talking about the cloud-enabled. We have cloud-enabled uh, print. <laughs> You can visit Lexmark, just Lexmark.com. A lot of that information is out there about what we do to help our customers move to the cloud from a print perspective. Mm-hmm. And then the Optra offering that I talked about, there's a, a lot of good information about Optra, our Optra offering uh, for manufacturing on uh, on our website, Lexmark.com as well. Outstanding.
0: Now, Kevin, right, right. she's fearless. She dropped the email out there. <laughs> uh, and Absolutely. I, I love how uh, Tanya also mentioned, uh, you know, because, because, Kevin wrote the book on cloud. Uh, (laughs) I learned a lot about the cloud by rubbing elbows with Kevin uh, every so often. Tanya, big thanks to what uh, you you spend some time with us, uh, sharing some things you are doing to navigate through some innovative things. And really just from a, uh, just a leadership standpoint, you know, some of the Mm. ways that you sprinkle in some of uh, your approach to leadership as you shared that big breath of fresh air. And I really appreciate your time here with us here today, Tanya.
2: Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me again. And thank you, Kevin. It's been a great day. Thank guys. you. Appreciate really, the time.
1: Really.
0: You bet. All right. Just big thanks to Tanya Jackson with Lexmark. Make sure you uh, connect with her and, and tune into some of the things they're doing there and really learn from uh, her leadership and and Lexmark's uh, innovation. Uh, big thanks again to our collaborative partners over at Microsoft as well. Uh, Kevin, always a pleasure mm-hmm. to knock out these conversations with you. I learn a, a ton uh, yeah. and we have a lot of fun. But hey, kidding aside, uh, you've set the world on fire with digital transformers, amongst other things. <laughs> How can folks connect with you and and tune into that series?
1: Well, first I have to say, Tanya is definitely a digital transformer. Ah. She highlighted all of the reasons why <laughs> it's critical for your organization to digitally transform. So, thank you, thank you, Tanya. You are you you're going to re- they may renew me for another year. <laughs> <laughs> But Digital Transformers, that's supply Chain Now. And you could uh, reach out to us at uh, Digital Trans X on Twitter or Digital Transformers with uh, Kevin L. Jackson on LinkedIn. And you can get me on LinkedIn as well. And Twitter, it's Kevin underscore Jackson. So just hit me up anytime.
0: He's everywhere. He's everywhere, folks. <laughs> but hey, also you can get digital transformers and supply now wherever you get your podcast from. So a lot of great work there, Kevin. Appreciate your thought leadership and helping folks navigate this uh digital transformation era that we're all fighting for. Yes. All right, to our listeners. Hey, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as I we we, we had a blast uh, from talking springtime and horses and horse tracks and, and comparing some mm-hmm. of the numbers there all through a variety of um of shop talk. You know global supply chain manufacturing technology and a lot more uh so again big thanks to our friends over at microsoft big thanks to all of our listeners out there um but we got to challenge you with one thing here right you know we learned a lot from tanya and kevin i like to do all these shows all the time but it's all about putting these thoughts and these ideas into action deeds not words that's where the rubber meets the road so with that said scott luton challenging you to do good to get forward and to be the change and we'll see you next time right back here